blessed Sunday to all of you, dear friends. You are tuned in to OLMC Sunday Best. This is a sharing of the Bible study group from the parish of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, Wan Chai, Hong Kong. Join us now in reflecting on this Sunday's liturgy for our life's nourishment. Good day, brothers and sisters. Thank you for joining us on the 28th Sunday in Ordinary Time, the Bible study. Let's greet our Lord with a sign of the cross in the, in the name, name of the Father, Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Use your grace, O Lord, we pray. At all times, go before us and follow after and make us always determined to carry out good works. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let me introduce the readings for this coming Sunday. The first reading is from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 25, verses 6 to 10a. The second reading is a continuation of Paul writings to the Philippians while he was in prison, chapter 4, verses 12 to 14, and then verses 19 to 20. And finally, the Holy Gospel is the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. And we will start with the first reading. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will provide for all peoples a feast of rich food and choice wines, choicy, rich food and pure choice wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the veil that veils all people, the web that is woven over all nations. He will destroy death forever. The Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face, the reproach of his people. He will remove from the whole earth. For the Lord has spoken. On that day, it will be said, Behold, our God, to whom we look to save us. This is the Lord for whom we look. Let us rejoice and be glad that he has saved us. For the look, for the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. I am sure all of us, uh, or rather say our attention has been paid to the conflict between Israel and Hamas you know, for the past week. We watch TV, we go to YouTube, and then everything is about this conflict. Um, some of the media would go to the extreme and say, it's the end of the world coming. You know, they, they even quote the Bible saying that, look, oh, this is happening, okay, according to the Bible. So, you, you can see that it really affects each and every one of us. 
It's not just a local conflict in Middle East. The whole world is paying attention to that, and no one can escape, I should say. However, uh, when we when we read the, the first reading today, we should be aware that this is part of the end of the world oracles of Israel, of, of the prophet Isaiah. Prophet Isaiah, chapter 24 to 27, talks about the end of the world. And we, are, we have just started, okay? Uh, chapter 24, if you read it, you will find that, wow, God really wants to destroy the world. It is God who destroyed the world. Okay, so that's the end. Now, however, when we come to chapter 25, we have a different picture. And the picture is, wow, look at that. We have fees, we have rich food, toys, wines, and all these things. It's really lovely and beautiful. And this is exactly what we Christians should have in mind when we talk about the end of the world. Yes, there will definitely be a lot of suffering before the end of the world. We mentioned about earthquake, we talked about wars, we talked about fightings, we talked about a lot of um, uh, serious things happening around the world. Yeah, the, the whole world seems to collapse because of that. And yes, and yet, I should say, and yet, we should look beyond all these sufferings and disasters, catastrophes, and all these things because God promised a beautiful world under these the wars and conflicts, famine, and you know, all, all these things. And so we come to 25, that is to say, after the end of the world, what will happen? It is something we should look forward to. When we read this, you can see here on this mountain, um, uh, from the context, it talks about the mountain of Zion, uh, uh, which, on which the city of Jerusalem was built. So Mount Zion, actually is a symbol that talks about, uh, that express the kingdom of heaven. Of course, the meaning of kingdom of heaven can also mean the church. And that's the reason why you can see here that the first, very first sentence is said, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will provide for all peoples. We accept all people, good people, bad people in our church. Now, it, uh, well, it is not mentioned here about bad people, huh? but we should keep this in mind. As a Catholic, I mean, if a church is Catholic, we are inclusive. We accept sinners, we accept saints, and then we hope the sin sinners will become saints in the future, okay, through their life. Church. So, it's is Catholic. Okay, it is Catholic. Now, there is a line which probably we need some explanation. It, on the third line, uh, the actually, second verse is uh, verse 7, okay, chapter 25, verse 7. It says, on this mountain, okay, this kingdom of heaven, God will destroy the view 
the veil that veils of people, the web that is woven all also over all nations. And what, what is that veil that covers all people? What is this web that catch everybody and all nations? Well, it's a symbol. And what does that represent? Um, we can understand that it is a symbol and then um, because all these prophecies is a kind of poetry. They repeat and repeat to make the to make the point to, to bring the message across. So before they talk about the real thing, actually it is death. That is to say, God will destroy death. Okay, simply put, just one sentence. However, because it is a poetry, it's a poem, and therefore uh, Isaiah talks about the veil, talks about the web. Nobody can escape from this web because all men are mortal. All of us will die. And so this, um, the veil, the web means death. So God will destroy death. Ah, it is very interesting. Who decreed, who create, or in, in other words, uh, create death on earth. Any idea? Who decreed, as I said, it's, it actually is decreed. Who created death on earth? Well, I, 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 I don't like the word create, however, God ordered death to exist. Any idea? No? Remember, do you remember Genesis chapter 2 when God created Adam? What did God tell Adam? The moment you eat this, God told Adam, you will die. The moment you eat the fruit of this tree, you will die. Fruit, okay, I mean, the, the fruit from the tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil. Good and evil. And then he said, if you eat, you die. So, oh, yeah. to a certain extent, it is God who decreed who make death exist. But, all right, now at the end of the world, or under the end of the world, God will remove death. Okay, there's no need for death anymore. All of us suffer death. Okay, sooner or later. But when it is the end of the world, when we go beyond that, we enter eternal life. And there will be no more death, no more need of the existence of death. We can put it this way. So, Christians, Catholics, shall we be afraid of the end of the world? No, we should welcome it. Okay? We should welcome it. So when you watch those YouTube, when you read the news, don't be disturbed by, you know, this, what should I say, fear monger. They, they want to <laughs> stir up people's emotion. We should be calm and we should keep praying. The advice of Jesus is be alert. Yes, this will happen, but don't get yourself confused and disturbed by this bad news, this end of the world news. It definitely will come, but you do not know when it will be. 
Okay, it will not follow your thoughts. It will be going along, you know, a different path, different from the way you think. Okay, so um, yeah, this is how I understand. Okay, read the first reading. The prophet Isaiah talks about the good things after the end of the world. Thanks, Deacon. So I think a memorable phrase from the first reading that will also take us to the gospel is that God promises that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Oh, yeah, this is beautiful. <laughs> and so I think that is a good lead on with the invitation that God has invited to us to join in his mission, to join in his banquet. We hear from the gospel as to what happens when God invites people to join his banquet. And now let's listen to the gospel reading. Okay. The gospel according to St. Matthew, verses, oh, chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. Jesus again in reply spoke to the chief priests and elders of the people in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. A second time, he sent other servants saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves and fattened cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his serpents, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The feast is ready. But those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out therefore into the main roads and invite to the feast whomever you find. The servants went out and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. The king said to him, My friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? But he was reduced to silence. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind his hands and feet and cast him into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Um, here we have yet another parable, but uh, I'm sure all of us uh, would be, we see the relation among these several parables Jesus was talking about. That the target of the parables is is not only the chief priests and the elders, but to all of us. When I meditate upon this parable, um, I, I can sense that something terrible is coming up. <laughs> we have 
we have taken our life for granted. And then we think, oh, God is merciful. Okay, God will definitely take care of us, and then we will be okay. Uh, because we are the time, we are good Catholics, we go to church, and then we do a lot of good work, etc., etc. However, what strikes us here is the wedding garment, right? Of, of course, I mean, the, the beginning part is important because it talks about um, the, the Jews, the Israelites, they were invited. However, they rejected God's invitation. When God sent the servants to them, they uh, ignored them, ignored the prophets, or they even killed the prophets. You know, we, we are familiar with this part of the story. And therefore, okay, God opened up to everybody. Okay, so this is how Jesus um, addressed the chief priests and the elders. It's related to the parable mentioned last week about those wicked tenants. So Jesus simply repeat the same story, I mean, re uh, repeat the same message, but of course in a different setting so that they may understand. However, this time, this parable is addressed to even a greater audience, even to the Gentiles. Okay, they come later. So those invited, okay, again, okay, since, since those um, earth, the invited guests did not come, did not come, and therefore, okay, God opened up the kingdom of heaven to, you know, more people. Fine, okay, we understand that. And then we appreciate God's mercy. Now, it is our turn. Now, we are Gentile. Okay, we come in late. However, it doesn't mean that we will, by default, enter the kingdom of heaven. There is something that's required of us as well. We may not know the Jewish law. We do not know about all those uh, difficult... There are actually 613 rules and laws and regulations in the Old Testament. It's not simply the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are supposed to be observed by everybody, whether you are Jews or not. Okay, we can, we can do that. However, here, when we come to this part, um, Jesus takes care of both the Jews and the Gentiles. Yes, you come later, but you also should put on a wedding garment. You understand what it is all about? When you go to dinner, to banquet, you should dress up. Am I right? It's <laughs> uh, a, a kind of respect. To the hold, we should put on our best garment. Okay. And that's the reason why, because out of respect of God that we believe in, we should do something. So the question is what is this wedding garment God requires of us? Any idea? After hearing the gospel, after hearing the invitation, Okay, we join. Here, it doesn't mean that uh, the servants simply grab the people in. I mean, in another version of the parable, it's, it's very dramatic. Okay, 
the servants, you know, simply drag people in into the into the banquet. But this time, it is no, it's not like that. Okay, the servants went to and then get the people from their food alike and then, you know, come in at the hall. So they, they were not forced to come. Okay, they gather and then, oh, okay, we have a banquet, come on in. Okay, something like this. It's not that dramatic as, you know, dragging it in. So the question now is whether we respect the host or not. If we do not respect the host, we do not put on a wedding garment. So what we suggest the uh, wedding garments are? It's about ourselves. When we are still here, before uh, meeting him, we must be examining ourselves. Are we, whether we are clean, clean means from our sins. Okay. Or have we ever followed his commandments or his words that he told us when we are still here? That's my understanding. Okay. This is how you understand the, um, the wedding garment, okay? Yeah. Without sin. And then uh, obey the word of Jesus. Very good. Okay. Any other suggestions? Of course, I mean, you agree, and then, yeah. The righteousness of Jesus himself. No. Repeat again, please. So get back to Bible. <laughs> yeah. So what you think is your wedding garment when you see God? Jesus himself. <laughs> the yeah. Okay, fine. Betty, would you like to share? Yeah. Unmute yourself and say something. Yeah. Okay, you have no idea what it's Japanese. It doesn't matter. Okay, it's very simple. Do whatever you can to show your respect to God. All right, because the, why should we put a wedding garment to a banquet? Because we respect the host. I mean, understand it in this way is we do whatever we can to show our piety, our respect to God. You will say, okay, I do not commit sin. Good. Okay, I will, if I've sinned, I go to confession. Good. Okay, so these are the things we do to, in order to show our love our respect to God. It can be anything that you think appropriate. I, I should, it, it's not cast in stone. It is not written down like some kind of, of commandments or rules. You must do this, you must do that. No. Actually, Jesus only gave us a very general, simple commandment. He said, love each other as I have loved you. So that's the wedding garment we should put on when we see Jesus. So you have to think about how have I loved each other? Do I care about them? Do I care about those people far, far away in Israel, in Gaza? You know, they're suffering. They have no electricity, no water, and then they have, they, they have, they, uh, there are a lot of bombings and then they, they cannot go away. I mean, so the roads are all destroyed, you know, even if you have convoys, 
you know, kids um, evacuating them, they were bombed. Okay, so do we do we care about? Do we feel sad about them? Pray for them, fast for them. These are the things that we will be doing on the coming Tuesday, seventeenth of April of October, next Tuesday. Okay, we'll be doing that. We'll be praying for them in the cathedral. There. So these are these are the things we can do to show our love and respect for God and for the others. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Deacon. So I think this is actually a good lead on to the final of the readings, which is the second reading. Second reading, yeah. yeah. So the reading is when, again, Paul was in prison. And he's writing again this letter to the continuation of the letter to the Philippians. He knows that he is going, there's a very good possibility that his end is coming. So he has a good possibility that he's executed. He's not sure yet, but he's, there's a very good possibility. So think about it, the frustration, the anxiety that Paul must have been uh, feeling at that time. So he was about to die. And he now he's reflecting on his life. And he finds that he has learned to adapt himself in various different conditions, endured a lot of hard times. Because like the gospel reading, Paul has donned on the wedding cloak and prepared to join the wedding feast despite the hard times. Mm -hmm. So let's listen to what Paul says to the Philippians. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. Brothers and sisters, I know how to live in humble circumstances. I know also how to live with abundance. In every circumstance and in all things, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of living in abundance and of being in need. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Still, it was kind of you to share in my distress. My God will fully supply whatever you need in accord with his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So you see that Paul says that. He does go through distress. It's not easy on this earth. Um, we also heard in the first reading that at the end time, God will wipe away every single tear from our face. But we also hear a challenge in the gospel. God invites, not everybody attends, or not everybody is willing to prepare to join the feast. So, What's the secret of Paul enduring good and bad times? It, he's saying that it doesn't come from himself, but comes from God. To him, having a lot and having a little doesn't really matter because his primary focus is accepting God's invitation to join his mission. So in, this, in the gospel, Paul would have joined the wedding feast. 
and he would have donned the appropriate clothing to join the wedding feast. Paul was always able, capable of looking at the present situation, his distressful situation, in the context of the greater invitation of the purpose of life and not be dominated by his daily needs. He might have more to eat today. He might have less to eat tomorrow. He's not concerned, but he knows that God will wipe away every tear from his eye at the end. He's also telling the Philippians, he thanks them for his for their help, for providing them him with the necessary help, the material provisions he needed to carry out his mission. What Paul is also saying to the Philippians is that when you are helping me, you are also joining in God's mission. So you are going to the wedding feast and you're wearing the right clothes to the wedding feast as well. When you help Paul uh, on his mission, think of us, Father Law, holding mass, and we come to mass to join in the celebration of mass. So that's a very practical example of us donning the right clothes to join in God's mission. This participation guarantee that God would and in turn provide for all of us what we need to serve God is guaranteed. The awareness, this awareness of the our greater destiny and not the day-to-day uh, terms and turmoils allows us to prepare adequately for our eternal life uh, with Jesus. So in this way, a person is uh, called and also chosen. He's called to the invitation and also chosen to participate in the wedding feast. So as you'll hear in the responsory psalm later, that the Lord is my shepherd. I really don't have anything else I need. So we now open it up for questions, discussions, and meditations of thoughts from those in the room as well as those online. Thank you. I would like to um, to share what I feel about when I read, you know, um, Paul's letter. In particular, I'm I'm glad to hear what he said. He said, "Still, it was kind of you." To share in my distress. Now I find the garment, the, the wedding garment here. Just imagine the recipients of this letter, the Philippians themselves. They, they have been helping along um, Paul's mission without thinking of their own reward. This, 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 there's no question about it. Paul loved this church, the church in the Philippines, because these people, they have been very supportive, they have been very generous and sharing his distress. So when Paul wrote this letter and then he, he, he gave this feedback to the Philippians as a reader, so I mean, I identify myself with the Philippians, I find the wedding garment here. 
That is to say, when we support the needies, then this is the wedding garment which we will put on when we, at the end of the world, when we stand before God's judgment seat. This is how I understand um, the wedding garment that God requires. Thanks, Deacon. Any questions or comments or thoughts uh, from the participants or Mary Faye? Uh, please feel free to uh, uh, to share. Thank you. I just have a question. What this? What does it mean by many are invited but few are chosen? <laughs> yes. When you when you how do you feel about Jesus' comment saying? You know, uh, many are invited, the fields are chosen. Because because in Revelation, in Revelation 7 something, it said there's a multitude that no one can number standing at the front of the throne wearing white dress and, and with the olive leaves and saying Hosanna or something like that. So there's a lot of people who's going to happen because they said it cannot be counted. So I just cannot cannot uh, relate it with this verse. Many are invited, but few are chosen. But I know there will be a lot of people in heaven. <laughs> Actually, God invites everybody. Yeah, but what is it? Not just the Jews. But just yeah, like but you, the Jews, the Jews uh, were very representative of humanity. Look at the, the response of those better uh, people. You know, they ignore, okay, they brush away God's invitation. They ignore. And then, okay, God cares about them, and therefore God sends prophets. God sends missionaries. God sends us, Catholics, Christians, to bear witness, you know, to remind them, hey, there is a God in heaven. He cares about us. Probably the people got anointed. They were anointed. And therefore, when they were anointed, they persecuted the missionary. They killed them. Okay, these are evil people, right? Okay. Never mind. God will take care of them. We should not judge them. They, okay, they are wicked because they killed. Just think about the first murder. In the Bible, what is what was the first murder in the Bible? Cain and Abel. Right. Uh, Abel and Cain. That's the first murder in the Bible, isn't it? In the Bible, the first the first book in the Bible is Genesis, right? Genesis. Oh, oh yeah. Sorry, I got murdered. Genesis. Yeah. Is mentioned in Genesis it's yeah. in the first few chapters. Because I'm talking yeah, about the, the first the first murder. Sorry, what's your question again? Okay, I'm asking because they um they were murderers here, right? Okay, they, they murdered uh, the first the murder in the Bible was Cain and Abel. Genesis. The Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And then I'm asking, what is the first murder case in Genesis? The the murder of Abel. Abel and and the brother Cain, isn't it? That's the first murder. Cain murder, right? yeah. murder Abel. his brother Abel, right? Yeah. 
Yes, that's okay. the first murder in the Bible. Did God kill Cain immediately, punish him? No. Of course, God punished him because he murdered. However, Cain said, look, if you send me away, people will kill me. Then God said, I will protect you. I'll put a yes. mark a on star. you. A mark on that forehead. Yeah, people see your mark, they dare not kill you. So look at that. You know, God is so merciful. He's merciful even to murderers. Am I right? Of course, in this particular parable, Jesus said the king will send his troops destroying the murderers, burn the cities. But Jesus did not say God killed the murderers. No, not yet. Because God does not want them die. God does not want them to die. God wants them to repent. Of course, I'm very now. So you, you have to be very careful in your, your reading here. Yes, a lot. I mean, God sends invitation to everybody. So there is, it is simple. Okay. Uh, many were invited, the few were selected because they, what should I say? Few are chosen. It means that. Few people respond to God's invitation. This is a very uh, a sad um, reality in the world. But please, okay, when we read the Bible, of course, our just like those um, uh, self-righteous, uh, uh, what should I say, they, those chief, uh, chief priests. Remember last time, last week, when they talk about the wicked tenant, Jesus asked them, what will the landowner do to those wicked tenants? How did they answer? Wow, they answered, they were so righteous. They, they said the wicked you know, tenants should suffer wicked punishment. Oh my God. <laughs> but, you know, so what actually did Jesus do? I mean, did God do, the landowner do, the king? He sent his son to die on the cross of us. He did not send legions of angels to come down to kill those bad guys. No. You see? So once again, when we when we read the, the this gospels here, we should be careful when the king was enraged and sent his troops destroy those. Of course, the destroy now you can say means the kill and the burn the city. Okay, but you can also it can also mean, you know, make them disabled, make them unable to, to do any crime, no power to do crimes anymore, to destroy them in this way. Anyway, okay, it's open for interpretation. All right, so yes, many are invited, I should say, all are invited, but very few people respond to God's call. <laughs> they will find that Jesus' teaching is, is difficult, impossible to, to, to follow. Then they give up easily. And, and, and the devil persuades people, hey, do not trust God. God does not love you. Huh? <laughs> there are a lot of these bad things happening around us. And yeah, people were misled 
So feel attention. Marfei, any questions or thoughts? Uh, yes, I have a question about uh, what Dekun said that uh, all people will die. What I, I mean is uh, we, will, we will die, but the thing is we should not worry about death. No. We should not worry about death. Mm. But while in fact many, many people are worried about it. They are not worried about what to do in order in order that in the time of judgment when we come before the Lord we are ready. So that must be the most important things. Exactly. It must be yeah. Um I have also in this part last part of the gospel he said that uh, bind the hands and feet and cast him into the darkness outside where where there will be wailing and grinding things. So I just want to know you can according to this uh yeah. after well. that during judgment, there will be no chance because you know, we can repent, we can there is a conversion, or we can still change our our mistake. But these things is this is the final judgment. So that this is the final judgment, and then the attendants should be the the angels, right? The angels, okay? They are servants of God, not us. Okay, be careful, not us. We are the guests. We are we are coming to the to the banquet. All right. So we we should not we ourselves should not bind the hands and then cast them out inside. Well, most likely it means hell. Okay, and then uh, there will there will be grinding of teeth. There will be wailing out of regret, remorse, but the remorse come too late. The remorse should come earlier. They have no remorse, okay, and therefore God, okay. So actually, they they cut themselves off from God, and then even even if God does not punish them, they they cut themselves from God. They they end up in a place which is dark, okay, darkness outside. It's outside. So it is. Jesus is warning warning them about. Uh, Hell, because some people do not believe in hell at all. All right, some do not believe in hell at all. And then even when you go earlier to a few weeks before, he talks about um, the landlord is very generous. You know, he gives everybody one day's wage, right? So, oh, there's no punishment. Okay, at the end of the world, there's no punishment. But they may have this false sense of security and safety. But now, that's the reason why I said, Jesus, make it clear. We should pay. I mean, we will. We are held accountable for all our actions. Of course, how God sends his um, sentence, how God passes his sentence on us is another question. We cannot know what the exact sentences. But we are optimistic in the sense that as long as we follow the teaching of Jesus, as long as we persevere to the end, we, we keep on trusting the love of God. We do not doubt His, his love. 
usually when we suffer, we question why, why. We ask a lot of why questions, and then we will start questioning God, questioning His love. But that's pretty dangerous. It's a great, great temptation. So when we are able to follow His works, His works of which Jesus teaches us to love each other, to help the needy. So we keep on doing it, no matter how how great or how small, how tiny, how negligible our contribution is, doesn't matter. Keep doing it. Do not ignore uh, doing good things. You will say, oh, too negligible, no good, no no contribution. Then you don't do it. No, you just keep on doing it. You persevere to the end. Then you will receive your reward. That is eternal life. That is Five, what what should I say? Wow, I mean, beautiful, you know, rich food, choice wines. Oh, I love it. That's the thing to be worrying. So, the things that we should worry is okay, we do not not repent. Number one, I mean, we do not see our mistake. We are righteous, self righteous, like those uh, chief priests and, and the elders. They think that they were right, and Jesus was wrong. Oh, come on. Jesus is God. He cannot be wrong. Then you should think that, okay, so what, what, what wrong have I committed? So think about it. Perhaps I have a misunderstanding. Perhaps I'm lazy. Perhaps I'm not working enough. Perhaps I focus too much on my money, on my status, and then forget and ignore those needy people next to me. So this is something we should worry about. So, uh, they, they, um, those are because many, many people are so much worried about those hostages now in Israel because yep. what happened with them, they're crying, they are agonizing, all this kind of feeling. So, the people that the, the yeah. way of thinking of people is, is not totally the, the, the things that they should worry. Well, actually, actually these are, yeah, these are things. A bit far away, but it doesn't mean that we do not care and, and about it. What what can we do? It's so far away, right? So, because we trust in God, we believe in God, and we know that God will be able to reach them. And so we pray to God to show our care, and then God knows that you care about the needy people, even though you're not able to reach them. So that's why Christian prayers are very, very important for ourselves as well as for the others. You see, when nobody prays for, for one person, that person dies and then nobody cares. Oh my God. It's very pitiful. So. And then this, this nobody care boy, okay, or man or woman, okay, when he stands in front of God, in front of all the people here, then God will say, hey, who has care for him? Nobody. Then you deserve to cook for help. Thanks. Thanks, Ikan. Any other uh, final thoughts or questions? Well, you have to pardon me because uh, times and again, I, I tend to exaggerate. Right? <laughs> there are people who really don't know then God will not God will not hold us accountable. However, when, when there are people that we know, at least we should show 
show respect to God because we care about him or her because this him or her is also was also created by God. And then God has a loving plan, you know, for this soul. If I know, I happen to know him, and then I ignore him, ah, God will say, hey, Deacon, are you a keeper of your brother? And what should I say? <laughs> should I answer like Cain? And say, oh, am I my brother's keeper? Of course you are. Ah. <laughs> so, um, as we mentioned, let us be prepared. Let us accept the invitation. There will be times when the going will be tough, but God promises that he will wipe away our tears, yeah. provide us with verdant pastures and restful waters as we recite the responsorial psalm. Okay. I, I shall leave in the house, house of the Lord all the, the, Lord the day of my life. The Lord is my shepherd. Is my shepherd. I shall not want. Uh, in in verdant pastures, he gave me repose. Beside restful waters, he leads me. He refreshes my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In verdant pastures, he give me repose. Beside restful waters, he leads me. He refreshes my soul. He guides me in the right path for the name's sake. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil. For you are and my sunlight with your growth and your staff that give me courage. He guides me in the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil. For you are at the sign with your rewards in your staff that give me courage. You spread the table before me in the sight of my foes. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Only goodness and kindness follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. Only goodness and kindness follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. May the Almighty and merciful God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to OLMC Sunday Best. Please join us again next week for another episode. Have a blessed Sunday, everyone.